All right, Competitor Nation, we're back with a brand new episode talking mindset, talking leadership, and talking building trust in others with baseball coach, speaker, and author, Mike Deegan. Welcome back, Competitor Nation. Jake here, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and I am stoked that we are kicking off February with a brand new episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. In fact, today is a busy day because not only do we have a great conversation with three-time national championship-winning baseball coach Mike Deegan about trust, about leadership, about having the mindset of pursuing the best for yourself and the best for others, but we also dropped a ton of brand new gear today on the Compete Everyday website. That's right. In the last two weeks, we have hit you with the Empowered Women's Gold Foil Print, We've brought back the competitor spirit, which is one of our all-time favorites. And today we brought, dropped the classic that compete every day. Strong look and print in a new hoodie color, in a baseball raglan tee, and in a women's crop hoodie that is so often requested by you. So get on competeeveryday.com, use the code podcast, and get yourself 15% off any order on the website. That's code podcast at competeeveryday.com. Grab one of the new items, or if you've still been on the fence, if you have not grabbed a copy of my book yet, what are you waiting for? We dive into the seven key choices that you can make to build a stronger mindset, to show up more consistently in your career, in your training, in your life, and most of all, on how you can end on empty, leaving it all out there so when you get to the end, you can look back and confidently know that your legacy was created in the way you wanted because you gave everything you had in the pursuit of everything you wanted. That's our number one goal, is to leave it all out there. That's what we want to be in athletes when we train, when we work out, when we play. We want to leave it all on the field. We don't want to walk off wishing we'd prepared harder, wishing we'd played harder, wishing we hadn't taken this off. We want to walk off knowing we left it all on the field. We want to do the same in life. Win or lose, we want to walk off the field of life knowing we gave everything we had in the pursuit of everything we wanted. And that's what it means to compete. That's what it means to get on that arena floor, to get your butt kicked, to get bloody, to get sweaty, but to keep showing up because most people won't do that. Most people don't have the guts. They don't have that internal fortitude to get out there and compete because they want to win. Everybody wants to win, but not everybody gets to because not everybody will compete. Competing doesn't guarantee victory, but I can promise you this. It's the only way you have a shot at. It's the only way you have a shot at your goals. It's the only way you have a shot to do what you want in your career. It's the only way you're going to reach your full potential and live your best life is by competing. It's not standing on the sidelines. It's not pointing the finger and wishing you had what everyone else says. It's by putting your butt on the field, giving everything you can, going as hard as you can each and every day, showing up and doing just a little bit better. And on the days you get your butt kicked and you get it handed to you, you pick yourself back up, you learn one thing from that experience, and you figure out how to do better next time. That's what it means to be a competitor. That's why I know you're here because that's what you want for your life. And that starts with how you show up today. And I'm so glad that you are here spending part of your day with me and Coach Mike Deegan as we talk about trust, as we talk about leadership influence, and we talk about impacting those we work with, we train with, and we live with. So now let's kick off a brand new episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast with baseball coach Mike Deegan. Hey 
appreciate you having me on, Jake. Great to be here. Yeah, looking forward to today's conversation. We obviously were introduced by our buddy Joe over at 1% Better uh, and his podcast where you were recently a guest and and I've had the opportunity uh, to be a guest as well Uh, and just a great overall guy. So I'm glad our paths got to connect. You've got some interesting things going on and and actually quite a few of them as, as we chatted offline about just balancing everything. Uh, so before we really dive into some of your journey, can you give a quick snapshot of what you do today, um, specifically where your work is, and then we'll kind of go back from there. Yeah, sure. I mean, my, my day job, I've, I've been a collegiate baseball coach for nearly 20 years. So that's what I do day in and day out. And then on the side, uh, about you know six years ago, I started writing a newsletter and started producing content, which led to a book. And uh, so on the side, I guess I'm a high performance coach as well that really focuses on culture and trying to find optimal teams and having optimal teams reach their goals and their potential. Awesome, man. Awesome. So what inspired kind of that start wanting, really wanting to help people and players and individuals reach that potential kind of what, what ignited your fire to go that route? I think a couple of things, Jake, I mean, one, um, you know, I have some great buddies who are in business and, you know, I would share stories with them about our team and what we're doing with our team and, and just the synergy between what we're doing in an athletic format and with what a lot of people are trying to do in their business lives. Um, you know, one of my friends, a good friend of mine, now business partner, Chad Spence said, more people need to hear what you're doing. They need, they need, they need this, like the world needs it. And I, and I say that from a humble place, but um, that's where it started was like, okay, I need to try to increase this platform a bit. So that was one. Um, two, you know, I've always, I'm, I'm a bit of an introvert. I, I like to think, I like to read. Uh, maybe I'm a little bit different than a lot of coaches and I don't have a ton of hobbies. I'm not a golfer. I'm not a swimmer. I'm not a, you know, skier. So what I really love to do, I love to coach baseball. I love to lead people. And my wife would say, Hey, like, just, you have so much stuff in your head. Like, why don't you start writing some things down? And that's where it all began. I started writing some things down. And then with some encouragement from friends, I started producing those articles and it's led and opened up this, this really fun world that I'm in now. So you aren't always in this space. I know you had a corporate job for a while with Coca-Cola, I believe. What kind of started that shift back into athletics, specifically coaching? Yeah, you know, it was, I, I just, the corporate world for me, I, I shouldn't even say the corporate world. Um, that job at that time was not right for me. I, and you can feel it. Like I could feel it in my gut. Um, despite some of the external success, I mean, I was, I was making pretty good, a pretty good living for someone of that age. Um, you know, I was, I was hitting bonuses, I was getting promotions, but you know, in your gut when something's not right and it wasn't right to me, I didn't know I was going to get back into collegiate athletics that I kind of fell into that, but I really wanted to tie back into, um, education. So my first thought was like, can I teach and coach? Can I help serve? Cause that's, that's just a, a big part of who I am. So while that time at Coke wasn't my best time, it really got me back to my roots and I could start feeling some of my core values and those got brought back to surface quite a bit. And once again, it's led me to this path that I'm on now. And, and how many years were you at Coke? Just out of curiosity. I was there at two. So I was there two years, but I was working after year one. I knew it. So after year one, I knew it. So I enrolled at Duquesne University yep. and they were, they were doing a master's classes and that's in Pittsburgh and they would do master's classes. Um, and you could get a, a degree in five weeks if you want every Saturday. It was like, it was all day. So I would work 50 hours plus with Coke a week. And I would take these classes on Saturdays. And I was a, I was a, a semester away from graduating, 
when I, I got the call to, to get back into collegiate athletics. So I never got that master's in counseling education, but I was really close. So I knew it and I was trying to pivot and, um, you know, I got an opportunity and I jumped. How did you, just out of curiosity, for a lot of our listeners that, that have those families that are balancing the job with the side hustle with the family, at that time, did you have a family? And if you did or if you didn't, how did you kind of balance work and, and an all-day cram session on Saturday with, with life? You know, I, I didn't. I, I, at that time, I didn't have a family. And I was, uh, you know, I was a little bit rare, you know, being 22 or 23, kind of, you know, a lot of your friends at that age, that's, that's like prime time to work and happy hour and that kind of thing. And I just, I just couldn't get involved um, uh, with that. So it was really just really pouring my, pour myself into to my career and my growth at that time. Um, now, now's a challenge. We do have four kids and I always say the work-life balance is, is I, I don't know if that's possible. I really don't. Um, I call it more of a work-life integration. I try to integrate my family as much as possible in the things that I do and we do together. Uh, because look, there are certain times of the year where it's, you know, 60, 70 hours a week and, and, you know, you're not around as much, but it's cyclical, you know, so you try to lean into those times and, and when you can be, you know, even more engaged as a father and a husband. But um, I think a lot of it is just like my theory on culture building. It's, it's aligning with the right people. And, and my wife for me is, is just the, the ultimate fit where we just work well together and we get each other. She gets me, she gets it. This is like a part of me, you know, it sounds a lot like you, Jake, like I can't take this away. And she knows that and she celebrates it. So there'll never be this true balance for me, uh, but we will try to integrate and be as involved as possible in all aspects of each other's lives. So one of the things I want to ask you on that before we, we kind of go back into that transition piece is, is that balance now? Because you coach and for a lot of friends of mine that are coaches that were raised by coaches, like coaching life, like family side, like you miss a lot of those opportunities because of coaching and baseball is a long season. And you've got this awesome course. Now you've got a book, you've got content, you do some speaking. So you've got this other business as well. And then you have family. So talk to me a little bit about the early stages of balancing. Cause it sounds like now you and your family kind of have a well old machine in terms of how you operate, how you identify different priorities and time allocation, but it couldn't have just started this way. And so when you were just coaching before starting this, how did that handle in terms of balancing the relationship with your wife and then now having kids and launching this whole new thing with, with your uh, online course program, how did that kind of adjustment communication piece come together to make it continually work so that it is a well-oiled machine today? Because for a lot of people listening, like that balance and struggle, like they're either feeling guilt for working on something or they can't manage it and things are falling through the cracks or they feel like they're neglecting family. And so like, it's a internal battle as much as it is an external trying to be productive. Yeah, well, that, that's a terrific question. I mean, I, you know, I, I was kind of, as you were, as you were getting the process of asking that question, I was thinking, you know what, I think a lot of it, one for me, it, it almost goes with my, a bit of my life philosophy and recruiting philosophy and the way we try to attract employees as well. Um, it's being incredibly upfront and transparent in the beginning. So um, I, I'm, my wife met me, we met whenever we were dating, I was coaching. So like she knew that lifestyle, like it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, she got into this and we picked up and, and it was all new to her. So that wasn't the case. So that, that was the first thing. But then I, as I started thinking back, it, it's not always easy. And I always, I used to call it coaches guilt. Like when you're away, you feel guilty that you're not at home. And when you're home, you feel guilty that you're not doing more for your work. So I, I, 
I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful you asked that question because that's gotten away from me. I kind of forgot about that. Um, but now I just, I just lean into it. And I think for a lot of it for me is, I, is I'm really at peace with where I am right now. I know I've learned and have some great mentors that have told me you can't get to everything every day. Like you just can't. Like, so you have to pick out your highest leverage areas and move toward it. And it was similar, like we were talking off air about, you know, some of your business sides of things. Like we, you can't be everything to all people, but you kind of figure out, okay, where can I move the needle today? And, and for me, I have a couple key areas. Like I said, I don't have a ton of hobbies. I'll, I'll say it up front. So for me, like my family is incredibly important to me. Our baseball program is incredibly important to me. And then engaging and connecting with as many people as I can is important to me. So how can we, you know, move our resources in directions that are going to get, get us closer to that, to that outcome and to that goal? I love that. I love that. Okay. So flashing back, you, you transition back out, you, you kind of go back into the education space and then eventually you find your way into coaching baseball. And, and you've had just a little bit of success at that, having won three national championships, worked with a ton of amazing players. Take me back to day one. What do you remember about kind of that first day week on the job in terms of what you saw and really the values or the core that you wanted to create with the culture? Yeah, you know, when, when I became an assistant coach, um, so I, I, I co- my first coaching job was where I played. So I was mm-hmm. pretty familiar with the values there. When I became a head coach, like that's where I got to take all of the things that I've learned from my days at Coke as a player and then as an assistant coach and try to create your own little ethos, and your own little system. And so that's where we kind of have, have moved to what we would call our four pillars of our program, which is great gratitude, uh, Kaizen, which means continuous never-ending improvement to us. And then a phrase called Mudita, which Mudita is vicarious joys, can happy, be happy for another success as if it's my own. So those kind of have, have emerged now while we're at, at Denison. And to me, like that's, that's the sweet spot for me as a coach. It's, it's really trying to take those values and look, values are very, very um, common. People, everyone, there's not a coach in the world that doesn't have some kind of pillars or some kind of values led organization, but it's the people who can actually lean into them and really believe in it and do the hard work, the reflection that creates awareness. And then you can uh, hopefully attract people who want that similar experience. But to me, that's the sweet spot for us. So at Denison for me, yeah, it was, it was an evolving process, but now we've kind of landed on those four pillars for about the last four years. And, and we like to think that they're living and breathing. They're actually behaviors that drive outcomes and not just words or a mission statement that, that are thrown up on a wall. What was the hardest one of those to really integrate and to get the buy-in from the team on? Yeah, that's, that's um, so, so Kaizen to me is like continuous improvement is my personal life philosophy. Yep. Like I, and it, it wears on people. So I think that's kind of natural, but like I, we want to get better all the time. And that's not just lip service. Like we feel that I think Mudita, like being, being happy for other success um, and, and rooms full of very competitive people can be, can be challenging. Uh, but once you can really, yeah, lean into the fact that, you know, you're really your greatest competition is against yourself and we're going to celebrate others. And, and I always say like in really high performing teams, high performing environments, the star rotates. It, it really does. And, and I think the pandemic has really showed it. I mean, I, I use almost all my analogies from sports, but if you look at, you know, whether it was Alabama football or some of these teams right now in the NFL semifinals, like there, there has been so much adversity and the star really rotates. So what we try to really preach is that, you know, on, on average teams or below average teams, like, yeah, you may be the three hitter, be the star, but no one really cares. But in our program, it could be the person who, you know, is great in practice the day before that leads to the championship tomorrow. So, um, but Mudita is very uncommon. All four of those are extremely uncommon. 
but we always say we have no interest in being common. So um, we make sure that we, we really try to enforce and live those values. Well, and, and I think that's incredibly important about what you said about, you know, celebrating each other's success, pushing each other, because one, the, the beauty of a competitive locker room and team is that you're always pushing each other, but it's the balance of not harboring those ill feelings for that person ahead of you. Um, and, and as you just talked about with the NFL, like we're recording this on January 20th on Sunday, you know, the chiefs played against the Browns, Patrick Mahomes gets knocked out of the game. Backup Chad Henney comes in who, who hadn't played in quite some time. And when everybody thought that, you know, on a fourth and one at the end of the game, everybody's expecting that you're going to run the ball or you're going to draw them off sides. They run a pass and they put the hands in the backup quarterback to get the first down to seal the game. And, and you just never know when that opportunity is going to come. And so if your team has that attitude of celebrating each other's success, it means they're probably pushing each other. They have that Kaizen mentality compete every day mentality to show up and do their best, which means they're going to be ready when that unexpected opportunity falls in their lap, which is so crucial in a sports room. It's crucial in, in our corporate rooms and, and boardrooms as well, because we don't know when people are going to leave. Somebody may leave and take a job. And, and is that next person groomed and prepared to step into that spot, uh, just needing the experience? So it, it's cool to hear you talk about that in, in the sense of, of your team. Now, that's a great, that, can I just jump real quick? That's yeah. a great analogy with, with, the, with the Henny thing. I mean, what if, what if Chad Henny wasn't prepared? Or let's say this, what if it was, what if you were an average team and you weren't in that moment? Like, so if, if, if that team's not very good and, and you know, you, ne you may never get to that opportunity. That's what we keep saying. We keep, if we keep playing, keep winning, keep advancing, like the more opportunities come. Like if, if the Chiefs wouldn't have had the first round by and they would have gotten beaten the first round, like that moment never would have occurred. And think about how special that moment is. I mean, to see even the Patrick Mahomes and, and uh, you know, uh, the Honey Badger, I can't remember his real name yeah. right now, but they were so excited for Henny. Like, and that's, to me, is like, that's sports like that's that's sports that's also corporate life that's also families and teams it's just that's when the special sauce kicks in um that i think so many people miss out on if you're living in that me first world well and and to go back to that a little bit more you know it shows with andy reed and eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator the trust that they had in the backup to make that if there was no trust in there they wouldn't have thrown the pass and you would see that on 20 to 25 other NFL teams, they're not going to give the backup quarterback that opportunity to win the game. But because he's done the work, because they built the relationship, because they had trust in him, they were willing to give him that opportunity. And I think that speaks to those listening as leaders. Like, what are we doing to put our trust in our teammates? What are we doing to build those relationships to set them up for opportunities? Because them making that call is all the confidence in the world in Henny. Like he didn't even have to like, hear them say, we have confidence. We trust you can make it. It's, Hey, we're going to put the ball in your hands. You know, it as a player, like, cool games on the line. Let's go. When are we giving our team members that opportunity to, to win or to lose, but telling, we trust you have the ability to make it. You get me fired up now. So talking on, uh, uh, let's, let's follow that thread a little bit because you as a leader of the program help instill the culture in your players but at the same time, you need your players, you need your team, whether it's in that locker room or it's in a corporate setting, to take that culture and lead themselves with it, too. It's so important that it's not just coming from us at the top. It's actually coming from the other players. How do you encourage that, that ownership, that leadership within your team to hold each other accountable, to lead themselves so it's not always coming from you? Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's coaching right there, right? Like the more... Yep. 
the, the more advanced you get as a coach, more advanced you get as a leader, the less talking we do, the less advice giving we give. Um, there's a great quote in a book called The Coaching Habit that says, advice giving is a hallmark of bad coaching. So, you know, really it's, it's how can you ask better questions? You know, to reference our, our buddy Joe Ferraro, the high velocity question king, but can you ask better questions? Can you, you know, we, we all have this uh, shared vision. We've all done the work to understand where we're going. And then, so for me now, my job is almost, can I ask questions? Can I get them to reflect? Can we create the awareness in themselves first and then in others of how we want to deploy this mission? Um, if it's just the coach, you know, I think that, I think we all fall in love with the movies where the coach up there giving this, re, you know, real heart, you know, speech, raw, raw speech. My experience is that really doesn't work. It's, it's, it's a collaboration. And I would say that it's, it's tough to get that in day one. You know, it, it really is. I think at first, depending on what kind of environment you go into, you know, context is everything. Sometimes you have to go in and really set a standard. But once that standard has been set, um, it's really about how can we use all the brain power of everybody in the room. And for me, those questionings, the questions and getting feedback and listening, that is way more powerful than anything I can ever say. I love that. I love that. So let's, let's, as we're kind of wrapping up today, uh, I'd love to kind of dive into what you've built with, with clearlearn.com, this creating culture program. Talk to me kind of what inspired you to go from writing it to actually building a course out on it and what someone listening could expect by going to clearlearn.com and, and getting signed up for that course for themselves or even their team. Yeah. I mean, to me, uh, you know, I think we're all in such a busy world, right? We're so busy and I think so much of us get caught up in the day-to-day -day, and, there, and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. I'm not, that's not me being judgmental. Sometimes life demands that, but the ability to stop, pause and reflect is, is so, so powerful. And my hope is with this course, that's what it does. It just gives you time to stop and reflect and go, okay, what kind of culture are we trying to build? Either A, if I'm someone who's starting out a business or B, you know, if I'm five, 10, 15 years into it and something's a bit off, I think this course can allow yourself and your team to work together to create the culture and the course that you want. Um, I always say like, I'm not, I'm not a guru here. I'm not someone who can, I'm not going to give you all the answers, but I think we can provide a structure and a framework to help you work within. So that's one. The second thing I mentioned really quickly, I think this clearlearn.com is good. It's a community and I'm excited because you get other content experts. And I, I, the only thing Jake that I've ever done really well in my life is surround myself with really good people. And that's, that's the mission of this thing. I think when you get in, you're going to be surrounded by really um, like-minded people, not, not people that always agree and think the same, but people who are at least on the same path. And that's my mission. I think this is kind of the next step for me. It's, you know, I mentioned earlier, it's, it's trying to increase your platform. And yeah, I have, I have a coach, I have a team, then I have a newsletter, then there's a book, and now you have a course and speaking engagements. And I think you're just trying to grow and grow and grow and grow. But I think people get in, they'll be pleasantly surprised to just join a group of people who are trying to get better and improve. And it's a different means to professional development than what um, than, than what's out there. I love that. And so how many, uh, the, the main course, Creating Culture, how many uh, segments, I would say, videos is, does it make up? And like, what can people expect from in terms of the course overview? Like, what's the type of content that they are like, okay, this is why I need this. This is the type of things we're going to cover so that you start kind of planting those seeds when those challenges come up and they can hear like, oh, maybe this is an opportunity for us to dive in further. So yeah, so it, it's it's a six step program really, or six step framework. And I hate saying I hate saying program because it, like I said, context is everything, right? Yep. You're gonna bounce around. But I, I think the first idea is the idea of facing reality. So we we challenge people to face reality, think about where they are in their present situation, 
The second thing we talk about is creating a compelling vision of where you want to go. Um, the third piece, this third segment is, is finding your why. And, and then there's, you know, there's, there's information for me. There's a, a additional readings as well. The fourth is creating massive action. So the idea is that, you know, we can have all the thoughts we want, but as you know, better than anybody, when I look at, when I, when I watch your content, eventually you have to take a step forward. Like yep. you can't just be up here in your mind. Like you have to go. Um, the fifth, and, and to me, maybe what the most challenging part is studying the results. It's having the courage to look at how you, how things are going and where you are and to be able to say, okay, am I getting closer? Or am I not getting closer to my goals? And then the sixth step is, is either a adapting strategy or keep going because, you know, I can, I can speak from my experience at Denison. There was a time when we were doing a lot of things right, but it wasn't showing up yet in the results category, but in my heart and after doing reflection, I was like, okay, we're getting closer. So we're going to stay the course. That's one direction. But then the other time is sometimes you got to cut things off or, or adapt and pivot. So um, that's kind of the six steps that we work people through. And once again, I think it's just, a great tool to help you reflect and, and force you to sit down and think intentionally about what kind of organization or what kind of life you want to build. I love it. I love it. Well, and, and that reflection piece is so crucial because we're in that busy society. We rarely take time to create the space to review. Is this working? Is this beneficial? And you're right. Sometimes we're in the, the midst of planting a harvest and there is no sign of rain. There's no or planting seeds. There's no sign of rain, no plans for that harvest anytime now, but we know we've got to keep working the land, keep planting the seeds because eventually it's coming. And sometimes we just realize the land's bad. We've got to plant, start planting seeds elsewhere. And it's, it's, not done unless we create the space to review what we've done and evaluate instead of just being busy, 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 which is the number one trap that most of us fall into today. Mike, man, this has been a lot of fun. Where can people find out more, one, to connect with you, and two, where can they go to check out your online learning platform? Um, I'm, I'm most active on Twitter, so uh, it's at Coach Deegan. Um, I'm, I'm active on there. And then on there is a link to my newsletter. And that's, to me, has been the best thing as far as creating connections. So if you get a chance, sign up for the newsletter. It's been awesome for me to build that community and share a lot of stories. So that's one. Then the other one is coachmikedegan.com, where there's an archive to all my newsletters um, and, and other information on me there. And then finally, clearlearn.com, um, where you can see the course content for myself and, and for some others. So uh, those three areas are great places to find me. Awesome, man. Mike, thanks for joining the show this week, buddy. I appreciate it. Appreciate you, Jake. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. As always, drop us a note with your feedback to podcast at competeeveryday.com. Check out more episodes, find amazing apparel, get connected with the community at competeeveryday.com. And until next week, Bring your best, show up every day regardless of how you feel, and be that type of competitor you were created to be.